Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we're welcoming back Madison Spencer Engel to discuss the end of Season 1 of Picard. And this episode comes with two major, major disclaimers right up front. First, this episode is going to be very heavy on Picard spoilers, so if that's not something you're looking for, I would move on right away. And this episode is the third part in a three-part series an unintentional trilogy with Madison Spencer Engel. So if you really want all the context, I'd highly suggest going back and looking at the first two episodes with her as well. Otherwise, let's get started. Back on mic today, we have Madison Spencer Engel. How are you doing this fine evening? I am wonderful, Aaron. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad to have you. We had a chat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were going to talk about Star Trek Picard and halfway through the conversation, I realized we were not going to really sink our teeth into this the way we should because we hadn't watched the whole show yet. Right. And and we needed to have this comeback to get to that. So with the last couple of weeks in mind, how do you think it matched up to what we were talking about back in February? Um, it. Oh, my gosh. It's so much to take in. There's so much to unpack. It's just, there was so much that happened. Mm -hmm. It's so much to take in. Um, Romulan story, Borg story, Sense story. It's just, we were given so much. And even more than that, I, I think all the pieces for me came together really well. Were there some pieces left? that we did not get some final answers to, yes. But I, I that's, to me, some good storytelling that it's like, hey, what happened to this character? We didn't, did we get an answer on him? Maybe not. Does this mean, are we going to see him again? Is this, is this villain going to show up again? Maybe so. Um, but I, I, I think what we, Romulan story, I, I think, I think it came back to it, and yes, mm -hmm. I, I think the pieces fit together. So one of the things you said that struck out to me was that we're seeing a Starfleet that's very disheveled, not neat and tidy and buttoned up. How do you think that carried through the next seven episodes after that? Well, it clearly does not even know what's going on within itself. Um, we're seeing spies within itself that have been there for how many decades possibly so it's not even aware what's going on within its own ranks so somewhere someone is allowing something to happen helping something happen turning a blind eye or simply unaware so somewhere something in that button down strictness something has fallen through the cracks. And I don't know if the complacency, the that sense of peace and harmony and everything is moving along or this fracturedness that's going on with all these other species has made them think we've got other things we need to worry about. But there are some things that they've been definitely been unaware of that has happened within Starfleet. And it's become 
very painfully, you become very painfully aware of it the more you watch it. And even people like Admiral Clancy, who I dearly love, I think she's mm-hmm. awesome. I, I, she's great. There is a frustration within her that I see. And I think because she's possibly aware of things that are going on. And I think people are misunderstanding or they're putting their personal bias on her. And I think she's channeling a lot of frustration in what is coming out. Yeah. Clancy is, to me, it's, it's, and I mean this in the best way possible. She is a very DS nine ish character in Mm. that uh, the first time we saw her, she said to Picard, you know, that the classic line, the sheer fucking hubris where she's just saying, get the hell out of my office. I see, and that's great, but another show could have left her at that. That was her only bit, and she would have been this one-dimensional character that just wanted to follow the rules and get this old man out of her office. Right. And that that would have been fair, but to bring her back was later on, it's like, okay, no, he had a point, and now I want to do the right thing. That adds a dimensionality to her that, you know, okay, she had to follow the rules and toe the line, but when push comes to shove, she is going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the Starfleet. Everybody that says is missing that is still there. Right, right. There's still some fractures. There's some chips, some pieces missing. It's still up there, you know, in, in the good china cabinet. There, the, the pieces are there. They're a little broken, but all the pieces are still there. And I think she is one of those good pieces still there it's still dinged up a little bit but all the pieces are still there mm-hmm. is the way i see it so let's get to the elephant in the room here okay okay because both the last season of discovery and the first season of the card ended with a story that looks very much like a borg organs origin story yes they haven't used the B word. Correct. But that's, it's, I just find it very odd that they would really make a care, a species that looks so much like this and not, and not finally drop it out of the shoe. So do you think that's where they're going in both cases? You know, in, when you looked at what was happening with, you know, they're, they're, the way their eyes were changing color in Discovery, I was like, okay, what is, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. What What is this? I was like, have we seen this before? And then it happened to Seven mm-hmm. when she was becoming the Borg Queen. I was like, wait a second. We saw this in Discovery. And I'm like, okay, are we, are we doing two Borg connections? I was like, okay, but okay, so we're forgetting this timeline of when we, when the Enterprise met the Borg, and we were already supposed to forget that the Hansons met the Borg mm-hmm. in in Voyager. We're already supposed to just forget these two timelines. We've already just been expected to just, they've already asked us just to forget with those timelines we are that um 
do I think that these are two board-centric storylines? I do. I do. And I think they have an issue just coming straight out and saying it. They love the board. Um, they're a great villain. Um, and you have to look at them from our human side that they are a villain. From mm -hmm. their side, they're not. They're just trying to create perfection. They're trying to reproduce. They're trying. That's all. I mean, I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I look at what they're doing from the Borg side, and I find mm -hmm. it really interesting when you look at what the Borg are doing from the Borg side. They're just surviving. This is how they survive. This is how they reproduce. This is how they colonize. Okay. And that could be simplistic, but that's just how I look at it. Um, that's my take. Fair enough. Fair enough. And are we, are we really necessarily supposed to forget these timelines or are we just kind of saying, yeah, but now we've got paradoxes and, you know, the Borg seem to have this ability to skip around timelines anyway. So that's just part of their their repertoire of attacks now which timelines would you mean now because in when you look at voyager mm -hmm. when you look at the timelines when annika and her family are out chasing the borg and they were told by starfleet you're not supposed to be doing this mm -hmm. she would have been very young so that timeline does not match up with when picard and the enterprise meet the board for the very first time don't mm -hmm. those timelines not they don't so they, they don't that's what i'm saying those timelines don't match up sure okay okay that storyline yeah. sure um yeah i if you check the, the writer's notes for that particular episode they pretty much said we knew that it was not going to match up chronologically, but we liked the story so much right. we had to go with it. And so that's one of those things where we're like, okay, okay, we're just supposed to say, all right, we will accept your beautiful story writing, and and we love Annika, and this story is supposed to be so tear jerking. We will we will accept this storytelling. It's mm -hmm. one of those for me. I will admit that I, I give a, a Vulcan eyebrow raise to it and I go, no, because it is so problematic with the entire timeline. It's like, mm -hmm. write her storyline differently. Mm -hmm. I've always had an issue with that particular episode and how they write Annika's timeline because of it. But so let's say that they continue to develop the air, the discovery uh, story, which is by in itself an extension of the Enterprise Borg story. And we kind of established that Starfleet had some inkling of what the Borg were in some way, shape, or form. Does that make it easier for you? Um, it's fine. Okay. You know, you know, I have already admitted that as a Star Trek fan, there are things that we just go, okay. I love you. I love you. I love what you give me. And there are certain things that I just have to go as a Star Trek fan. Eh, I'll move on. Agreed. I openly, I openly admit that, that there are things that we just, there, there are things that I go, okay, 
I will I will accept it and move on. This one episode, I don't it's not my favorite way that you're telling me this story. I'll move on. Um, you know, when it comes to the Borg and the Enterprise storyline, mm-hmm. I love that story. Which I know. Isn't that so bizarre? It I is. love that storyline back on Earth under the under the frozen snow. I love that storyline. I think it's fabulous. I don't know why. And you know, it's it's it reminds me of the old um what was it, the thing? Was mm-hmm. that was that John Carpenter? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it reminds me of. I'm sure I'm not the only one that no, thinks it no. about. Um but I love that. That's what that's immediately what I go back to and that storytelling. And I think it's great. So am I fine with that? Absolutely. Um, relating it to discovery. I want I wanted something different mm-hmm. from discovery. Because. All of these things with the Borg, I had seen before. And Discovery was giving us different versions and new versions and new stories and different aliens. And I I kind of wanted a different problem. And I did not necessarily want to see a new crew with different technology battling a familiar foe with different technology. Does that make sense? It does. And part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is that, is it a bad move to take two shows which are succeeding in their own way on their own two feet and give them the crutch of giving us a very familiar villain that we dealt with not even that long ago. I mean, we dealt with the Borg uh, in that Enterprise episode, in First Contact, at the tail end of Voyager. A lot of the late 90s Trek did was very Borg-focused. So is this... Are we going back to that well too soon? Um, it, it feels a little soon, and especially because it dealt with it successfully when you look at things like first contact um it was handled the board were handled so beautifully um you know with with data and the, the board queen we we saw some amazing effects and it was just it was just done so beautifully i don't think we needed it um with picard I am more open to accepting it because I don't think Jean-Luc has ever fully recovered from the experience with the Borg. Not that anyone ever would. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you ever escape, recover from being Locutus and that connection? He even reverts to it when he in, you know, when he speaks to the Borg. Um, so I am more open and accepting and even welcoming of it with him because it opens his old wounds and we want to, speaking for me, I want to see how he, how Jean-Luc deals with those wounds. 
and how he is going to move forward and hopefully recover, or if he is not going to recover, how he is going to fight forward through it. So I am much more open to Picard moving forward with um, a Borg villain and, and a Borg storyline. I was, I was fine. I loved the Borg cube. I thought it was beautiful. I loved seeing it. The storyline uh, uh, of the XBs, I thought it was, I, I was great. I welcomed it. I had absolutely no problem with it. Um, Discovery, I'm not as open to another Borg storyline. I would like to see something different, something new, um, because there's new that you can give me. Fair enough. So I think part of the reason that we, at least for me, why I'm interested in seeing the Picard show pursue the Borg storyline is, uh, like for one thing, Picard is now an android himself. So he's even further invested into, you know, synthetic life forms and being a synthetic life form, which he was involuntarily the first time. And now his life depends on it. And in addition to that, because we got closure on data, mm -hmm. we finally saw him pass away. Um, do you feel like that was handled well? It was beautiful. Uh, I, I, I was I was fighting the tears on that scene. And the visuals, the, the, the music, um, I think it was great uh, for Brent to have them be able to have that moment and be able to put that character behind him as well. Um, and it gave the audience the respectful closure to that character that I think a lot of them didn't feel that um, nemesis gave that character because I know a lot of people really felt that Nemesis did not give Data um, the respectful goodbye mm -hmm. and um, I thought this was really a, a beautiful way to say goodbye to him and it, it, was, it was a peaceful goodbye the way most people hope that their goodbye will, will be when they pass and it was with one of his most cherished friends being, you know, Picard. So I thought it was really beautiful. It was very lovely. Very well done. Yeah. I was, I was very pleased with it. And Indeed. you? Oh, very much so. Um, I, did you read Star Trek Countdown before the 2009 movie by any chance? No, I did not. Okay. In that, um, it, it was one of those, it was a movie tie-in, so it was a little more, it wasn't canon, but it was more canonical than most books are. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically suggested that Data reasserts himself in the B4 android mm. and it goes on to become captain of the Enterprise. Okay. And it was a very good story. And I was, when I found out the card wasn't going to follow that particular line of thought, I was like, if that's going to be the case, they need to do something better than what they threw in the trash. And they did. Um, I, I think it was a lot of fans kind of assumed that they were planting the seed in B4 so that he could come back. And I, I really respect Brent Spiner's decision to whatever he does in the, on the show of Picard, he does not want to resurrect the character of Data. Right. I think that was a great move for him as an artist. It was a great move on behalf of the story. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, what they did was they threw out a, a good story and made a better one. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% behind that. In in the meantime, though, it's it now we said we have Picard as an android. Is is that going to be weird going into season two? Do you think? Well, I was just talking to some friends about this earlier. This exact thing, and I said, "Here's my one thing I don't want to see." And in those old TNGs, when we would have those head flaps of data mm-hmm. with things and arms mm-hmm. and on and off switch i don't want that as long as i don't see any of that business mm-hmm. i'm good they've already said there'll be no special abilities he's made the joke about well i wouldn't mind 10 or 20 more years we know the lifespan is not going to be super long you know no extra abilities he's just him i don't think there's going to be any Android surprises, you know, and I think that's the way it should be. He is going to be the same Jean-Luc Picard that we're used to. And it's, you know, there's not going to be any weird eye. Oh, suddenly I can see for miles and I can hear well and I can lift this door off of this, you know, that's fallen under this child. I don't think we're going to see any of that. I don't think any of us want that. I think we want the same character that we know and love. That's how we can accept him in this android body is it needs to be the same character mm-hmm. um, for us to move forward with it. There might not be any surprises for Jean-Luc, but I bet Bev will be a bit taken aback. I, 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 you know how much I wanted to see Bev this season. Mm-hmm. You know we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um that was, and I, I'm not going to use the word disappointed because I, I, I just, I was hoping, I had a whole scene written. I had several scenes in my head written for her, and uh, I wanted to see her come in, and um, I, she didn't, and that's okay. Um, you know, I love Gates, I, I love Bev. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we will see her. This opens the door. Second season, hopefully we'll have something for her for second season. You know, there's still plenty of TNG characters to make appearances in second season. Maybe her and her and Wesley can come back for something. I'd be thrilled for that. So, mm-hmm. Well, what this does is it raises the bar now. The stakes are higher when they make that reunion because it's been pretty clear they haven't seen each other for some amount of time. Yes. When the, when the question of what's new comes up, that's a heck of a yes. bomb to drop. Yes. Well, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big one to discuss, uh, you know, as to what's going on with him. So that, that will be an interesting conversation for sure. So. I mean, other than that, I mean, we've got Riker, we've got Troy. Worf is still out there somewhere. Let's 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 take a minute. Um, because we know, you know, BBC America runs so much Trek. Mm -hmm. I was awake early this morning and, um, they were showing the child and I suddenly dawned on me that Troy has now lost two children because I'd completely forgotten about Ian Andrew 
Mm -hmm. And I just, my heart just broke all over again. And like that episode was not hard enough. I mean, that episode was a warm, emotional hug seeing, you know, Will and and Deanna again, all Mm -hmm. the three of them all together was just wonderful. But then hearing about the loss of their son and Mm -hmm. then when watching the child today, I suddenly remembered about Ian Andrew and I was like, oh, my God, what this she's lost two children. Mm -hmm. This is this planet is also for healing her. Mm-hmm. I started thinking about it where she was. This plan is also for healing her. And I just, I just, I, I, I felt for Troy so much more after watching. I know this is silly, I, you know, talking about these, these characters like this, but it's just, I just, I felt for her even more. Don't forget that around about that time, she realized she had a sister she never knew about who yes. died young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so much, you know, not even including her father, Mm -hmm. you know, so much loss that she had been through is just, it's just, I just felt, I just, it was one of those moments where I just, I just watching it this morning, I just sort of stopped and did, you know, one of these for her. So, you know. Moving on, moving on. I had to think about that for a moment. Sure, sure. Well, so long as we're we're digging deep here, uh, you're probably the only person I could ask this. Sure. But as we rounded the end of Picard and we got to the uh, little temple where they ha- where they were giving out the warning about synthetic life forms and the Romulan nuns are gathering around it, I start to get these really weird flashbacks. And it's almost like I feel a parallel between the first season of Picard and the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, you mean with like the Uber vamps and mm-hmm. all of and and the vampires were the original inhabitants and they're coming back just mm-hmm. like the the not Borg are you know they they're somewhere else out in the universe and they'll come as soon as we're at their beck and call. And, you know, there's there's warnings that we shouldn't mess with them, but we ignore those warnings. And yeah, I'm sure it's just it's silly, but it's like, you know, I just feel like the same audience is watching both. I, You know, I bet there is a lot of the same audience. You know, we like a lot of the same stuff. No, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I can see that. Yeah. That was. You know, you, 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 the, the levels of mm-hmm. um, um, the, the types of the Romulans mm-hmm. and then the types of the, of the vampires and then the types okay. of the synths. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I see it. I, I see the lines you're connecting. And, you know, Picard's motley crew is basically the Scooby gang. Yes. The Scooby, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, and then, and then uh, the uh, the La Serena is the, is the school bus in yeah, the final okay. in those last couple of <laughs> episodes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I want to make this point, but I just love it too much to let it go. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, if it's there in your head, you know, you got to get it out and talk it through. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's just going to stick there until you can just talk it through. 
and go, okay, I've just got to work this out. Just got to do the math and work it out from point A to point B. And maybe someone else will see it with me. I um, mean, to, to be fair, it's not like this is brain surgery because the Borg are often written to be vampire-ish characters anyway. That they, uh, they're undead that feed on the living to maintain their own. It's like, okay, we're not exactly reinventing the wheel here. Right, and the t- and the tubules that pop out, and, mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah. There's two of them. There's two vampire teeth. I mean, mm-hmm. and you know, they remember when we first saw them? They had that very sort of pale white, mm-hmm. grayish skin, and oh yeah, oh yeah, and one leader mm-hmm. that makes them all. So oh yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's definitely a, a sort of a vampire sort of quality to it. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 not there's definitely some parallels that can be you know that can be drawn there. Uh, you don't have to do a lot of math to connect that. Yeah, I like that. That's a good conspiracy theory. I like that one. Uh, I just watch too much TV sometimes. <laughs> That's good. That's so, good. but but one angle they try to go at is that they're they try to make the board into. Uh, victims instead of making the entire race of Borg this giant well it kind of goes against the theory of the Borg to say that they're individuals but they they really try to say well some were victims and and they're in they're captured basically Um, did you feel like that made the image of the Borg better or worse because you said you try to see things from the Borg perspective um I think that, you know, you have, it's so strange because you think of, okay, what, what was the original Borg? Where, I, I, I wish we knew, where did they come from initially? What, what, what where were they created? What, how did they become the Borg? What, you know, and then that they started to, as I Call it, you know, reproduce by, you know, assimilation. By assimilation. So, I understand that that's how they do it. Um, I feel sorry for when they take someone over. When once they've taken over a, a species, whether it be a, a, an entire planet or a ship and a single person, that person no longer has any control, any knowledge of what's happening to them. So they cannot be held responsible for what they're doing. I don't know that they are aware of what they're doing, good, bad, or otherwise. I ultimately think the only person to be held responsible or what they're doing, good, bad, or otherwise, is the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be really oversimplifying it, which I know I tend to do when we talk. But for me, when I look at it, because they are truly being controlled, they are drones being controlled by one person, they truly do not know. They're being told, do this, you do this, you do this. They, I don't think they truly understand this is not good, what you're doing is this, you're doing this, you're doing this. 
the only person who I think truly has full knowledge, full understanding, and full choice of what they're doing is the board queen. That is, I think, the only true quote-unquote villain in the Borg scenario is whoever is the queen at any given time. And we know that the Borg queen changes. Mm -hmm. So I think at any given time, whoever the Borg queen is, is the one individual, the only individual within the collective that is evil and responsible and you know can be held accountable for those board's actions so i i i don't hold the individual boards responsible for their actions fair enough i'm actually wondering if if one person is in control of 10 billion drones is their guilt do they accept 10 billion times the guilt of one person's thoughts i'm like how, how do you punish someone 10 million times over kind of what i was getting at yeah i mean it's like you can only execute someone one time if that if that is the fitting the fitting punishment you can only do something you know something like that one time you know though the borg the xbs are going to suffer the rest of their lifetime for what's happened to them you know they're probably in terrible pain you know the the physical pain of borg implants that are still in them clamps that you know you know i We've, you know, we've seen in episodes, they've talked about, I remember uh, Janeway talking about, um, what was it, the spinal clamp that was, you know, that she had had. We, they've talked about the physical pains of things that they were, that they had. So you talk about the physical pain of being an ex-Borg, the, the mental anguish of it. So the ex-Borgs, the ex-Bs go for a lifetime of pain and punishment just being alive that they will go through for as long as they are going to continue. When you look at those Romulans that were in this catatonic mental state, it was like, um, it was like a mental ward uh, on the board cube that they were separated into. They're truly suffering. Those XBs, those Romulans are truly suffering. Um, that's a horrible punishment. They're still living. Were they better off as boards than they are now with how they're living now? I mean, that's a tough question. They were they aware of the of the atrocities that they were committing, or are they more aware now of the physical and mental anguish that they're going through now? It, I know I'm getting really philosophical. That's the point. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. we're, we're trying to dig a little deeper here. Um, I mean, we, we talked about Picard and Discovery and Enterprise and Voyager and pretty much everywhere the Borg have touched on, we, we've hit there. 
But there's one story that I kind of go back to that I, I I kind of have an unpopular opinion on this, and I want to jump jump it out at you. Right. A lot of people people see Star Trek the motion picture as an unofficial Borg story. Oh yeah, I've heard this theory. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 not a fan of this. Um, You're not a fan of this theory. I'm not. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Star Trek the motion picture is is a misstep for me. I'll watch it here and there, but I have no great desire to spin it when I just want to have a good time on a Friday night. But it's not made better by thinking, oh, but what if it's the Borg thereafter? Okay. Um, are you wanting my yes? I take mm-hmm. okay. I don't. I don't buy for a minute that it's a Borg precursor. I think. I think that is a huge reach that people want to make. Um, I, I think it is a very capsule story. We all know the problems that that story went through with the writing, with the production. We all know the problems that Star Trek motion picture that it had. Uh, I think people are wanting to look back and they will go, well, what if, what if, can't, what, what if this happened? No, no, they, that is not what happened with Decker and Ilea and the Voyager craft. They did not become, you know, um, I, 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting theory. Um, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, let me, let me say, wait, instead of interesting, it's a great theory. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not one that I'm going to run with. Let's put it that way. Mm Um, um, I, Partially because I don't know that they would have been all the way out in the Delta Quadrant, um, f- for one thing. Um, uh, I don't. I just don't think it would have taken them as as, as long. I think they would have known more about the Alpha Quadrant. Um, I don't know. It's just. I think it's a great theory. I think whoever came up with this theory that put these pieces together. I think it's a great theory. I think it's really interesting. I can see how they connected all those dots and put those pieces together with Ilea's physical appearance, her baldness. Mm-hmm. The the Borg had this sort of like a, 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 a bit of a striking beauty to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can absolutely see the blinking lights. I can see how people are connecting all of those dots. I, I can absolutely see it. Um, it's just not a theory that I need. I I would agree with that. And just to kind of push it a little further away, I will say it: the Borg are hardly the only cybernetic life form we've come across in the entire franchise. We've had robots, we've had cyborgs, we've had androids of varying degrees of complexity all along. Yes. So when you say, well, we have a robot life form and it's the Borg, well, why do you have to make that jump? It, it could be any number of – it's like it's the, we have 10,000 species with bumpy heads. I mean, we, we, we not, not our first rodeo here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great theory, but I, I don't need a theory for everything. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I probably heard that one along the way, but it's one of those that I didn't get a lot of credence to, so I just sort of, like, moved past it. There, there's a lot of those I'm really bad about all, all here, and I don't file them away if I don't, um, if I don't really find them, you know, that I, I, I put a lot of, of, of importance to, or that I go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just sort of like move past them and, and my old adult brain, I sort of forget about, <laughs> you know, because we hear so much stuff. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's always a theory for stuff, and I'm one of those that you know I love reading up on stuff, and you know, and I'll I'll, I'll scroll and I'll read stuff, and I'm like, oh, I love this. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. So you know, we get we get inundated with stuff. It's hard to keep track of all of them. So, but that's that's fun. Awesome, awesome. So other other thoughts in general as uh, the where the trek is going, what you thought of the card. Um, I am very um, hopeful. For season two of Picard, um, I am looking forward to it. Um, we were all excited uh, about the Guinan announcement. Um, you know, um, we don't know when production will start. Um, you know, what storylines are going to be, but um, definitely, I am. I am definitely excited. And looking forward to it. Um, they can bring on whoever they want to. When we saw the ship going off, we saw some wonderful little moments, seconds of little things going on on the ship. That I was like, oh, I see what you did there. I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I like that. Yeah, I yeah, like agreed. That. I like that. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe the two of you will stop drinking so much if if you find love maybe mm-hmm. maybe that'll help you both maybe mm-hmm. that'll help you both i like that good for you um so i am i'm i'm excited to see where it goes i'm 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 i am will definitely be tuning in to see where it goes as much as i've enjoyed the two seasons of discovery and picard i do have sympathy for the people who are saying i really miss the planet of the week format um, I like the long story arcs. I like the Game of Thrones style. I, that, I dig that. But I can definitely have some sympathy for the people who are like, I really just want... I think season two will give some opportunities to do one or two of those as well. Yeah. And it would be nice to throw that, that crowd a bone because, you know, they're fans too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's tough. You know, we can sit here and go... Well, you know, storytelling has changed and audience has changed. It's like, well, storytelling really hasn't changed. The audiences hasn't changed because we're still here and we were we were there. Mm. Um, it's the they seem to want to change the format. I don't know if it's the you know a, a matter of production has changed. Here's my thing, and I, I was having this conversation with another friend. Um, those of us, you know, we were there in those, those, those TNG eras when that show was a million dollars an episode and that was expensive. That was, that was expensive, but we were there and that was good stories and practical effects and real practical sets and, um, and practical ships and everything wasn't CGI 
And I love that about Picard, that it was real. There were some real physical sets. I love that. Um, and we, we got, you know, 22 to 26 episodes and, and, and we were there every week and you give us good stories and we will, we will be there. We will be there. I don't need all, all, all of this. Mm-hmm. You know? I need this. You know, you give me a good story and I will be there. And a lot of times I feel, and I, I'm not going to bash on Discovery. I, 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 I won't do that. But there were times where I felt Picard was successful because I was getting good story. Mm-hmm. I was getting good character interaction. I was getting great dialogue. Um, and people were sitting on a ship talking or sitting down on a planet eating pizza. And I could be, you know, waxing nostalgic about these characters that I know. But these are real sets and real locations. And it was just good storytelling. And I did not need all of this going on around me. And sometimes discovery can be a bit big in its effects and its storytelling and its cast. And sometimes it's nice to just bring it back down again and just give me a good story and I'll still be there. And sometimes that's what I miss about the old TNG and the old DS9 and the old Voyager. And, you know, even Enterprise is just those smaller, you know, one episode, one planet stories. I still mm-hmm. love those. Absolutely. I. When it comes to why things shifted, I'm going to take the most simplistic answer and I really... I, I don't think it needs to have a lot added to it. Um, we have, we, at the time TNG was made the way it was because the thought in the industry was people need single stories without any connection to other episodes. It's very syndication friendly. It's rerun friendly. That's what people want to watch. And the almost exact same argument is being made now for the giant all season long story arcs that that's what people want to watch. And we're just forgetting one crowd to service another, just like we were doing 30 years ago. And I think that they're just not giving the audience enough credit that that there's room for both. Mm -hmm. There's appreciation for both. It's not like one went out of style and the Mm -hmm. other. No, it's just you figured out how to do one really well and you don't want to move from that. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you want to do something well. But that audience is still there. Well, the older series combined those two storytelling forms because Mm -hmm. TNG had individual episodes and we still had arcing stories. Mm -hmm. DS9 did it beautifully Mm -hmm. when we had individual episodes with huge story arcs that plugged into that over arc. Mm -hmm. You know, Enterprise was the same thing. 
So you can still have a big arc story with little individual episodes within that arc. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I really wish that they would kind of move back towards that mm -hmm. format and not feel the need for each episode to be so visually big mm -hmm. and just just bring it down just a little bit. Sometimes they can be a little visually exhausting to watch. And after you watch an episode, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I, I, I you know, I, I can't watch more than two episodes of Discovery at a time. And rewatching them is, is kind of difficult because they're just so big. Whereas Picard, I'm like, I'm ready to watch the whole thing all over again. Binge it. Completely ready to binge it. Now that, it, now that it's all out. I could see that. Uh, yeah, I, Discovery is a bit of a head rush, uh, at least for me partially because I went in not really knowing hardly any of the characters. I didn't really know the the situation. I was confused for half of season one because it's like, why is everything so different? Picard was like finding an old shirt in the closet that, okay, it's kind of smelly and it, it's got a couple holes in it. I didn't know we're there, but I know the shirt. Mm -hmm. I recognize the shirt. I know it. I know it looks good with the shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you missed that shirt. Mm -hmm. I missed that shirt a lot. Yeah, it was just seeing those people, those characters. It was just. It was the sigh when I would when I would see them. I was just like, <sighs> I seeing them on the screen again for me was just. I just wanted to see them. I was just so happy to see them. As soon as I saw Marina, and as soon as she opened her mouth, I was just, it just made me happy. You know, same thing with Jonathan. I was just, oh, it just made me so happy. <laughs> it just, I just wish they would release a stuff number one. I just want a stuff number one dog so I can mm -hmm. put him on my bed. <laughs> I think CBS is making a huge mistake not marketing a stuff number one. I just, I just feel there should be one. Well, I mean, the the world went nuts over Baby Yoda, and I think this could easily be the companion piece to that. Agreed. 100% agreed. Well, Madison, we are finishing up part three of a three-part chat between you and I. We've, we've got our story arc down, but I still think you and I have some individual episodes we can do here. I'd I don't want this to be the last chat here. I would love to. I always have the best time with you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Any topic on any episode, and I will come back anytime you ask me. All right. Well, let's call this a wrap for tonight, but you can be found at Space Geek Girl at pretty much any social media site there is. Absolutely. Okay. Any other places you want to be, uh, want people to point, toward, point people toward? Um, I think you know where to find me. I think that'll do it. Okay. It'll all be in the show notes. No, so you have yourself a good night, okay? Thank you so much. See you soon. See you soon. I would like to thank Madison for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community-building part of the show today, which I remind you is something that we do to spread awareness of the podcast that costs you nothing and takes less than five minutes, I would ask you to send me an email at bossingpodcast at yahoo.com and just let me know what other sci-fi podcasts you like to listen to. I just want to see what's going on with my other podcast neighbors.
You can get all of our show notes at www.aaronbossig.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.